On today's episode of the Aggie Wagon Podcast, it is time for March Madness. New Mexico State has drawn UConn in the first round in Buffalo. The Aggies are a 12 seed, UConn is a 5 seed, and the winner of NMSU UConn will advance to play the winner of Arkansas and Vermont in the round of 32. I'll break down what you need to know ahead of New Mexico State's game as they search for their first tournament win in 29 years. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Aggie Wagon Podcast, a place for New Mexico State men's basketball skeptics, fanatics, doubters, and really anyone who likes basketball. I'm your host, Stephen Wagner. Let's shoot the breeze. Aggie fans, do y'all like dancing? Personally, I'm kind of a Texas two-step guy since I grew up in South Texas, but I know we've seen more than a few gritties in New Mexico State's locker room this year. I'd like to play a little bit of Brooks and Dunn or maybe some George Strait on this episode, but quite frankly, we don't have the budget to get the rights to something like that. But the Aggies are dancing their way into the round of 64 for their matchup with the Yukon Huskies, which is a very winnable matchup. I said this on Twitter a few weeks ago, but a lot of things are going to need to go right for the Aggies, and they definitely aren't going to catch a break in terms of logistics. But this is a game that they can win. But real quick, let's just take a look at the logistics of this thing. So, New Mexico State has to travel from Las Cruces, New Mexico, all the way to Buffalo, New York, a northeast region. And the northeast, historically speaking, has kind of been owned by Big East basketball. In in terms of college basketball, the Big East has really dominated that region. It is not that far of a drive from Connecticut, and there's going to be plenty of UConn grads that already live in New York State. So this is going to effectively, you know, be a road environment for the Aggies. Um, You know, like just going through the logistics of getting from Las Cruces all the way to Buffalo. I'm personally going to have to fly uh, about 10 total hours to be able to get from El Paso uh, to Buffalo, just in terms of the logistics of flights and switching on and off and all of that different good stuff. So New Mexico State is not going to be catching a break there. And on top of that, they are going to be playing a blue blood. It might be a blue blood that's fallen off a little bit and a blue blood that's still sort of in the process of rebuilding isn't what they used to be, but it's still a blue blood nonetheless, and they are going to have that arena packed. But there is a huge opportunity here from New Mexico State. So let's go over the scouting report on UConn real quick. So UConn finished ranked number 21 in the AP Top 25. They have their most wins since 2016, and they have steadily improved every single year under Dan Hurley. Now, the program that he inherited as a rebuild, they are more or less starting to come out of that. We're starting to get back to the UConn that is a consistent Top 25 uh, team and a team that is going to have potential to make an NCAA tournament run. I think it's the same this year. I do think that they do have a very high ceiling. They do have two all-conference players in RJ Cole and Adama Sanogo. I really hope that I'm saying that right. So the potential is definitely there for UConn. Ken Palm ranks UConn number 18th overall, number 21 in offensive efficiency, and 35th in defensive efficiency. By comparison, New Mexico State is 81st overall, 87th in offensive efficiency, and 73rd in in defensive efficiency. Both teams are averaging allowing 65 points a game right now. Now, NMSU does have a little bit of a turnover problem. They're bottom 70 in the country in that regard. UConn is 
in the top 160, so they're a little bit above average with the turnovers. But we have seen this year uh, turnovers can bite the Huskies in some games the exact same way that turnovers have bit New Mexico State uh, in some games. So that could definitely be a coin flip if one team comes into comes into the game and simply is just having a hard time handling the basketball, which we have seen in March Madness over and over again. And it's part of the reason why we see so many upsets in March Madness every year. But like I said, there is still a huge opportunity here, and this is a winnable game for New Mexico State. If Jabari Rice and Teddy Allen and Johnny McCants are all on, and I do mean this as truthfully as I possibly can, New Mexico State is capable of beating anyone, I think kind of outside of the top 15 teams in the country. I think once you cross the number 15 threshold and you start getting into teams like, say, you know, Houston and Villanova and Wisconsin and you start getting into those guys, I think the Aggies would be a little bit overwhelmed just because those teams are so much more athletically gifted. But I do think New Mexico State absolutely has a chance with any team that's basically up to that top 15 threshold. If Jabari and Teddy and Johnny are all on their game, this is absolutely very, very winnable. So just real quick, the Aggies have only lost one game this year where Teddy and Jabari scored at least 12 points, and that was against New Mexico and Las Cruces in late November in that game where they gave up like 101 points to the Lobos. There was that huge power outage, and Chris Jans was also out with COVID. And this year, the Aggies are undefeated in games where McCants joins Teddy and Jabari by scoring in double figures. And keep in mind also, Johnny McCants scored 16 points the last time that he was in the NCAA tournament against Auburn back in 2019. Now, real quick, I do want to sneak in that I think Arkansas is going to beat Vermont in the nightcap game, but we've got a lot of different versions of the same team in this bracket. NMSU, UConn, and Arkansas are all built on the same general coaching philosophies, uh, defense, physicality, and rebounding. And I don't know very much about Vermont at all, I'll be totally honest. But right now, I'm going to welcome on a guest who does know quite a bit about NMSU's coaching philosophies, the Aggie program, and what and what goes on behind the scenes. He spent like what felt like forever on the staff as a manager, a graduate assistant, and a special assistant under three different NMSU head coaches. And now he's the head coach at Mayfield High School here in Las Cruces. I want to welcome Keith Roberts onto the show. Keith, how's it going? Doing well, Stephen. Doing well. All right, that's fantastic to hear. So uh, for some of our listeners um, who might not have so closely followed the Aggies coaching staff over the last, what is it, five or six years, whatever it was, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your time with New Mexico State? Yeah, so I, um, you know, I guess it's just the prototypical, you know, work, work, have the work, prototypical work my way up story. Um Started as a just an undergraduate student manager um, under Marvin Menzies, and then in 2014, and then um, got promoted to graduate assistant for his successor, and then uh, stayed on with you know the Jams regime as graduate assistant and then special assistant to the head coach. Okay, so I mean, with that, uh, you know, we're talking about quite a bit of NCAA tournament experience. You know, that's you know that that's. You definitely would have been there for, uh, you know, quite a few WAC championships and a couple of uh, NCAA tournament experiences then. Yeah, definitely a plethora. <laughs> okay, so at that rate, um, you know, because we have the opportunity to speak with someone who's, you know, had the opportunity to be 
um, inside of, you know, coaches meetings during NCAA tournaments and stuff like that. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what a tournament prep week uh, is like and kind of how that might differ uh, from stuff you might see in the regular season? Number one, you don't know your opponent till literally days before. So on top of, you know, getting just all the information you can get from just different colleagues, different coaches of coaches that you know, um, it's just a rat race of just gathering as much information as you can within a span of literally hours because you need to come up with a game plan. You need to, you know, prepare practices. You only have one or two practices at home, and then you're just traveling somewhere um, you know, NCAA dictates, you know, what time you're traveling, you know, all that stuff. So, um, it's just a lot of stuff that has to be done at the highest of levels. And I think that's the most, you know, energetic part of all of it. You know, um, there was always adrenaline rushing from the staff, you know, from the head coach all the way down to the managers. Everyone was just locked in. Everyone was just, um, you know, excited for the opportunity, but just also um, everything was just so high level. Yeah, so going off that a little bit, I mean, you know, like I imagine it must be, you know, really, really difficult to just throw together a game plan uh, after you just got done with a conference schedule where, you know, you're going to see everybody a couple of times and there aren't really going to be, um, you know, truly new opponents. Uh, so you already have that sense of familiarity. Um, when you don't have that sense of familiarity and you're even in a position where, you know, it's like, okay, you know, you found out your opponent one or two days before you're going to play, just throw this thing together. Um, are practices, you know, like, are, are they, you know, maybe not so much necessarily dictated toward, um, you know, the game plan and who you're going to play in more and a little bit more geared toward like individual work? Yeah, I think it just depends on just the philosophy of the head coach. You know, um, I've seen, you know, I've seen multiple ways of it done um, throughout the different head coaches. But um, I think it's probably just split pretty much half and half. You know, the, the scouting, you know, there will be film sessions that are a little extra longer than normal um, because of that unfamiliarity. But just also on the floor stuff, you know, it's it's perfecting what that particular team's MO is. And just making sure, you know, that particular team is locked in um, from that standpoint. But also, you know, there will be extra like scouting, you, you know, scouting time on the floor with the scout team and all that. So I think it just depends at the end of the day. As long as everything is high level, um, you know, which it is in the NCAA tournament, um, I think any team would be as prepared as they're ever going to be, you know, today or literally a day after the um, their respective conference championships. Okay. So yeah. Um, you know, I'm talking to, uh, I'm, t I'm talking to, uh, you know, someone who is on the Aggie staff right now. And I know you still very closely follow the Aggies. I know you were in whack Vegas and I know you won, uh, some Hercules tires. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, what, I guess my question would be, um, you know, how does Jans's kind of, you know, coaching philosophy differ uh, from that of, say, you know, like Marvin Menzies and Paul Weir? Uh, you, know, you know, like kind of what makes him a little bit different? Um, probably, I would say his messaging towards the team, you know, 
um, in terms of keeping everything simple. Because, you know, at, from a coaching standpoint, like you have to go through like UConn's just everything, side out of bounds, underneath out of bounds, you know, their breakdowns, their specific plays. And, you know, what Coach Jans is really good at is, um, and, and his staff every year, um, they're really good at, you know, getting through the complexities and formulating it into just a simple game plan for the guys. Um, because the players, I mean, they, they're the ones playing it. So um, the more simple you can make it, the easier it will be to get that muscle memory back on the floor and just get you in the groove from that standpoint. So, like I said, I know that you're, uh, I know that you're still a fan. Um, are you planning on being in Buffalo this week? <laughs> I won't make it to Buffalo. Um, <laughs> I won't. It's just cross country, short notice, all that good stuff. You know, I got to get my program, you know, developed too. But uh, maybe San, maybe San Francisco next week. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, have you done any? Uh, I guess of your own sort of advanced scouting uh, on UConn. Ha- have you checked out the Huskies at all? I know I watched. Uh, I think one of their games against like Providence, and then another against like Villanova this year. But outside of that, um, you know, I really hadn't looked at UConn very much before this week. Yeah, a little bit in the last like day and a half or so, you know, you know, I tried to, you know, see what they're about. And, you know, they play, they play a lot like, you know, kind of like what Chris Jans, uh, what Coach Jans kind of like preaches, you know, just crash the boards, play hard, play hard nose defense. And it's kind of different from, you know, scheme wise, I would, I would say just different intricacies, like just different than the standard brand of UConn basketball. But um, now from what I've seen, like they play, they play extremely tough. You know, it's going to be a fun matchup. Okay. So how do you beat a team like UConn? How do you beat, uh, you know, a team that, you know, basically tries to implement all of your philosophies, but obviously does it with, um, you know, more physically impressive athletes who play, uh, you know, at a power six level. That's why coaches are paid six figures, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I would I would say, um, you know, just um, just honing in, you know, what makes this particular team unique. You know, we know we know about our opponent. Um, we know they do this stuff well. We know what we need to match in terms of energy and aggressiveness and all that. But I, I would say let's just focus on us and you know, what we do well and, um, just perfect that, you know, that, 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 that would be my answer. All right. So I'm going to bust you one here. Give me a final score prediction. Final score prediction. Huh? For the first round. Let's, let's go 65 to 57. Um, those kids from Las Cruces, New Mexico. Really? You're picking the upset. All right. So at that rate, they'd be advancing uh, to the round of 32 and playing the winner of uh, Arkansas and Vermont. Who do you see? Uh, who do you see winning there? I, I, I would have them playing Arkansas. I, I think they would. I think the winner of this game is going to play Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas, they're just, you know, Moss has got the bus going for sure. But I, yeah, I think Arkansas would advance and that that's an intriguing matchup right there. And that's you in Arkansas. But I mean, you know me, Stephen. You know, I, I just gotta, I just gotta follow my heart. You know, 
whether that's the right thing to do or not, you know, in Vegas and betting and scores and whatever, you know, always got to support the Aggies. Always got to have them advancing. <laughs> All right, Keith. Thanks so much. You've been a fantastic guest, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate it, Steven. Yep. All right. It's time for what might be one last way out Wagner prediction, but I'm not certain because it's March Madness and upsets do happen. But based on everything I just went over, I'm actually going to say that New Mexico State comes up just short against UConn, 67 to 64. Although that's not to say that I wouldn't put a little bit of money on the Aggies because an upset is definitely possible. But my gut tells me UConn 67 to 64, and then I think Arkansas beats UConn 72 to 66 in the second round. But I've been proved wrong before, and I wouldn't be surprised if I was proved wrong again. Folks, that's it for Season 1, Episode 18 of the Aggie Wagon Podcast. Again, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. As always, be sure to leave a like if you enjoyed the podcast. You can follow the Lost Cruises on News' MSU basketball coverage on our website. And you can follow me on Twitter at StephenWag22. That's Stephen with a PH. So until next time, I'll bid you folks farewell and happy trail.